The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm John, if we haven't met. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway, and I'm glad you're here today. Um, One of the things that we do in the fall on Sunday mornings at the Mulholland House while we're having breakfast together is we watch a college football final on ESPN. And this morning at the, at the very beginning, I, I think they were talking about the Purdue-Iowa game. And the coach of Purdue, what's his name? Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom coach of Purdue, Jeff Brom, said, um, said what we did yesterday, or what we did today, because it was filmed last night, he said what we did today was we revealed our DNA. We talked about who, who we were we demonstrated who we were as a college football, football program today by beating the number two team in the country. We demonstrated our DNA. And as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, what we're going to do here in a few minutes is we're going to invite Zane up, our pastor of Family Ministries, and talk about what, what intergenerational ministries looks like here at Westway Christian Church. And the reason we're doing that, honestly, is we want to reveal our DNA. Like this is, this is baked into who, who we are, who we desire to be as a church. This is one of those foundational pieces um, for us. And, and we didn't just come up with that. We didn't just think, oh, it would be a really good idea to be an intergenerational church. Um, we actually find that in the Bible. And the song that we just sang, um, if, if you have your uh, Bible with you, um, we're going to be looking at a couple different texts today, and then Zane's going to come up. Um, one of the ones that I did not put in you version uh, this morning is Deuteronomy 6, and, and we've talked about it so many times that my hope is at some point it will be in your DNA. And when, when we're reading this text, my hope is that, that you're going to kind of fill in the blanks of, what, of what's going to be said next. And this is just Deuteronomy 6. Um, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren, does that sound familiar? We just sang about it. Must fear the Lord as the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen carefully, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I'm going to read the rest of this here in a second. We've been going through the book of Judges over the past month plus. And if you remember back to that first message in our Judges series, we talked about in, um, in those first couple chapters how, how the people failed to pass on the faith to the next generation. Now, whether the parents didn't pass it on or whether the children didn't listen, we're not, we're not sure exactly what's, what, what took place there. But there was a disconnect between grandparents to their children to their children. There was a disconnect. And what we see in the book of Judges is the fruit of that disconnect. We see what happens when in just one generation, just one generation, 
The whole thing goes awry. This is verse four from Deuteronomy six. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Israelite people failed to do this. They failed to make that faith transition from one generation to the next. And what we're seeing, as I said a moment ago, what we're seeing in the book of Judges is the fruit of that. We're seeing what happens when faith is not transmitted, is not moved from one generation to the next. And if you're feeling the weight of that, I'm glad. Because I want you to feel the weight of it. I want this to, to bear down on your soul a little bit. Because we have a responsibility to pass along the faith to our children, to the next generation. If we don't have kids, we have the responsibility to pass on the faith to our grandchildren. This is our responsibility. And by our, I mean as Christians, this is our responsibility. When I'm saying our, I'm not saying it's the church's job. I'm not saying um, what we do here is we do the heavy lifting for you as a church. Our role is to equip you. And that is also found, believe it or not, in the Bible. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. This is verse 11. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So you see, the, church, the church's role in this is to come alongside parents and grandparents and families and aunts and uncles and like wherever you see yourself, whatever role you see yourself in in the next generation, our job as a church is to come alongside you and equip you to do that. That's our job. You might ask, well, how do we do that? Right out in the lobby this week is a great opportunity if you're a grandparent to be equipped. That's how we do it. That's one way we do it. And the thing is, is this isn't just for grandparents. This is for, if you're not a grandparent, but you have adult children, this would be a great way for you to uh, get equipped to how, learn how to build relationships with your adult children. This is, such an important, this is such an important thing for us as a church. And we have, we've made a lot of investment. And I don't just simply mean in finances, but we've made an investment in time and in energy. And people have poured themselves into this piece because we want to be an equipping church. We want to equip you how to do this. That's our job. We want to come alongside you and teach you what it means to be a transmitter of the faith to your children, what it looks like for you to pass along the faith to your kids, to learn from our mistakes as individuals, to help and hope that you don't make the same mistakes that we have made. This is such a crucial thing for us, and it's, it's part of our DNA, and I'm just going to read one more set of texts to you. This is, from, this is from the book of Titus. Because again, we ask how, right? 
That's what we should be asking. It's one thing to say that we do these things, but we ought to ask the question, how? You ought to ask the question, how? It shouldn't be enough for, for myself or one of our pastors to stand up here and say, like, this is our DNA, and then not answer the how. Not talk about how we're going to do that. So this is Titus. This is Titus chapter 2. Titus has been, has been sent to the island of Crete by Paul to, um, to do lots of things. Uh, to complete the work, this is earlier in Titus, to complete our work, because Titus and Paul had been on Crete and appoint elders. And then he talks about what, what an elder is. And then in, in chapter 2, he begins this. He says, as for you, Titus, so Titus, this is your job. You're, like, you're sort of the pastor. You're the lead pastor at the church on Crete, and this is your job. Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Question, how, right? Paul, what does that mean? Paul's glad you asked. Teach the older men to exercise self-control to be worthy of respect and live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. See, Titus, that is how you are going to promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. You are going to teach the older men to do a certain set of things. And when you do that, you'll be promoting wholesome teaching. But it's not just the men. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must, not be, they must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. I know it's 2021. We're just reading the Bible. This is what it says. Be mad at Paul. He's the one that wrote this. Um, see, Timothy has a responsibility to teach the older men to do a certain set of things and then to teach the older women to do a certain set of things. If you're a grandparent and you come this week to our grandparenting summit, like, this is what you're going to learn. This is, this is one of the ways we do that. And then interestingly, uh, Paul tells Titus this, he continues in Chapman verse 6, he says, In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourself must be an example by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. See, what we're seeing here is, is the embodiment of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're seeing practical a practical outline of how we make disciples of the next generation. We start with people who are older and we disciple them into their faith. And then they start with people who are younger than them and disciple them into their faith. This is, this is the biblical model that, that we desire to follow here at Westwood Christian Church. Like this is our DNA. We want to equip parents how to do this. We want to come alongside you and grandparents and aunts and uncles. We, we want to teach you what this looks like. And here's the thing, that requires effort on both of our parts. It requires work on both of our parts to put ourselves in a position to where we can be discipled by other people. 
So I want to encourage you as we, as we continue to talk about this, and again, my hope is at some point when I start reading Deuteronomy 6, when you roll your eyes, then I'll know you're just starting to get it. Same way for Ephesians 4. When you roll your eyes, because we're going to talk about Ephesians 4 again, I'll know you're starting to get it. Because this is who we are as a church. This is who God is calling us to be as a church, as an equipping church to equip the next generation. Um, Zane, would you come up here? Would you guys welcome Zane up front here with me this morning? Thank you. So this is Zane. Zane's one of the pastors here at Westway. As he said, as I said earlier, um, Zane has tested positive for COVID two weeks ago. And I can't imagine a worse way to start at a brand new job (laughs) than than to come and then to start and work for a few weeks and have to take two weeks off out of the office. Um, We had met, we were planned to do this last week. um, And uh, Zane was out on COVID. um, So... How are you feeling? I'm doing well. I feel like I might, I don't know. I feel like I just got done exercising in my, I just can't breathe anymore. So if I pass out up here, don't worry about it. It's just COVID okay. and we'll get through it. Awesome. So I'm fine. Um, <clears throat> so I've obviously have had the opportunity to get to know you over the past several months, and a few of our children and student ministry team members have gotten to know you over the past few months, but our body hasn't. So one of the things that, that the reason that we do this is we want to kind of give you space to share with our church body um, some things that are on your heart, um, to talk about your, kind of your DNA of, of who you are and, and what you are hoping to accomplish here at Westway Christian Church. Um, so why don't you, um, where, where, tell us about yourself. Um, where did you grow up? How did you come to faith? Those kinds of things. Usually when people ask me where I grew up, I ask, what school year do you want to know? Because I moved around a lot. I went to, I'll just, I won't bore you with pre-high school. I went to three high schools in three different states. My dad was in the Navy, and so I moved around quite a bit. My Senior year of high school was my first and only year at the school I went to, so my senior year wasn't very fun, which then made it, moving around a lot, I wasn't married to a place, and so trying to find a school, I knew I wanted to go into the ministry, so moving around a lot, I wasn't like, I need to find this school in this state, and so ultimately, I ended up in Kansas, I went to Manhattan Christian College, which was pretty awesome because that's where I met my wife. She's, she was born and raised in Kansas, and so being able to find a school out there in the middle of nowhere, because we all know there's nothing in Kansas except Manhattan Christian College and my wife's family. And um, I majored in um, pastoral ministries and youth ministry, and I wanted to do the ministry for quite a while. My dad, like I said, he was in the Navy, but he was a chaplain, so he was in the ministry, so he was a big influence on my life. And so, graduated college, went to to, uh, church, and I lasted 
about nine months there, and I left working the church for six years. And so my wife and I worked at Boys Town in Omaha, Nebraska, and now I'm here. I mean, there's a lot in between there. I just skipped over, but but ultimately I'm here. <laughs> how did you like? How did you make the decision that you wanted to follow Jesus in your life? What did that look like for you? For me, it helped that I had parents that were Christians, and so I had a I had parents that were discipling me from the very start, and just watching their example, watching how they are. I liked what I saw, and so I started learning more about it on my own, and I, I just remembered making the decision. I was somewhere in middle school, I forget exactly which grade I was in, but I made the decision to follow Christ, and the church we went to at the time, my dad was the senior pastor, they, they had baptism, but it was sprinkle baptism so I got sprinkle baptized in eighth grade and you know that to me at the time it didn't make a big difference how you got baptized but the older I got and the more I grew in my faith I realized I want to get baptized by immersion and in one of my ministry classes in school it was don't remember the name of the class but we learned practical things that pastors would do as a uh, pastor in a church and so we went to a church for a class to practice baptizing people. And I counted the people who would be baptizing the people, and I realized, oh, my best friend is going to be practicing baptizing on me. And so when it was my turn, I went to my teacher, and I said, can I make this the real thing? And he's like, you've never been baptized? I'm like, I've been sprinkled. I've never been put under. And he was like, oh, heck yeah. And he got super excited. And Everyone was like, I was like the last one. Everyone was in the foyer, like drying off, getting ready to go back to the school. And he goes like sprinting out of the sanctuary. And I just hear him yelling, we got a real one. We got a real one. Everybody in, everybody in. And so we, uh, everyone came in and that's kind of how I came to faith and how I ended up getting baptized. I love that story. That's so great. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you had that experience. We got a real one. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> so you... Right after you graduated from, from Manhattan Christian, you spent a little bit of time in ministry on the East Coast, yep. and you really wanted to move back to the Midwest, was, was kind of your mindset. Um, what, um, what, what, was your, what was your experience like at Boys Town? Like, what did, um, and, and where I'm getting to is, we kind of hired, like when we hired you, um, and you should know this was really intentional, Westway. Um, we were kind of looking for an out-of-the-box youth family pastor. We were looking for someone who um, didn't necessarily um, like fit, uh, fit a certain mold of, of what someone going into ministry would look like. Um, so what... I guess what I'm asking you is, and maybe you could ask me, so why did we hire someone... Um, who has who has six years of experience working with Boys Town, versus um, you know finding someone who's a, a more traditional um, pastor? Like why? What did you learn at Boys Town that you feel has equipped you for the role that you're in here at Westway? 
The biggest thing is, and I think this is the biggest part of the answer, is that family is important to the growth of kids spiritually. Um, sadly, vast majority of the kids that we worked with came from single family homes, uh, single parent homes, or their parents just didn't care. And I noticed, I mean, I didn't take any like real scientific um, experiments here, but I noticed the, the kids that we struggled with the most are kids that came from broken families. And the kids that were the most successful kids that we had to deal, that we dealt with, came from families that had a mom and a dad who loved the kid. And they, there was just some issues going on, that's why they were at Boys Town, but overall, the kids coming from a family were the successful kids. And I've worked with families these past five, six years at Boys Town, and I 100% believe that if parents play that number one role of being disciplers of their kids, then children, kids, youth, once they leave the home, they will be a lot more successful. I'm not going to say they're going to be 100% successful because we live in a fallen world, but I think that is why, well, that's what attracted me to a position like this, even though I don't have a background in the church, is I have a background working with families, and I know how important families are, and I want to transition to the point of working with families on a spiritual level more than a behavioral level that what we were doing with at Boys Town. And I think that's a really important thing for, for us to hear as a church is there's, there's a difference between dealing with and working with parents and students on a spiritual level and on a behavioral level. I know for me that, that, that's, that was part of my story as I was as I was in student ministry and started making this transition over to family ministry, one of the things that I was really wrestling with was as we had kids coming to our student ministry, many of them were from, um, were from unchurched homes. And what we were, what we were noticing was um, many of these kids, like we could kind of get them to behave for that hour and a half. Or if we were, if we were really lucky, we had them for three hours a week because they came on Sunday morning. So we, we could get them to behave for three hours a week, and then we would send them home to really dysfunctional family situations. And I be, that, became to, that, that really began to grate, grate on my soul over, like, I just felt like I was managing behavior. And there is an aspect as followers of Christ, we have to be different, right? We have to act different. But it's not behavior management. There has to be something that happens at a deeper level. So I wanted to attack that. So when we, when we started talking with Zane, um, one thing I found out very quickly was that was the piece that he had. He understood the value and the importance of, of parental and, and grandparental involvement in the lives of kids. So that wasn't something that I was going to have to spend, my, spend our time teaching and equipping him on. The other pieces of ministry, like we can learn, we can learn those, but that passion for for parents and, and grandparents and family ministries, that's a really hard thing to teach. Either you have that or, um, or you don't, and, you, and Zane had that um, for us. So what, <clears throat> what excites you, and you sort of answered this, what excites you about serving God at Westway? 
Um, what excites me is the opportunity to make disciples of Jesus Christ exists in this church and outside this church, and it's not one to take lightly. And I know we talk about making disciples and what does that all mean, and, and that's what I'm excited about is not only working with kids one-on-one -on -one or in group setting and, and all that, but equipping the families to do the same thing at home because we only have so much time per week with your children. And at the end of the day, it is gonna be your job and we can only do so much to help you with that. But I'm excited about, I'm excited about that. It's also in a way very scary because we're equipping you guys to do the most important job that you have as a parent or as a grandparent. And I know on my end, I don't want to mess that up. What, um, what do you hope God accomplishes through you? Like what, what can we sort of, what can we expect over the next few years from, uh, from you and your role as fam pastor of family ministries? What I want to do is I want to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to families and at the same time equip. I, I sound like a broken record, but that's, that's really what my goal is, is to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to families and equip families to do the exact same thing at home. And over the next few years, we're going to be implementing different programs, different seminars that's already going on this week to be able to accomplish this goal that I have for Westway. Well, and you said broken, like that's DNA. When we, when we talk about the same things over and over again, it's because it's important. Um, I don't remember, so I'm, I'm terrible with scripture references, um, but Paul says, I resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ. See, that's Paul's, that's Paul's DNA. That's what Paul's talking about. He wants to talk about Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. So for us to talk about these, these same themes week in and week out and month in and month out, like we are being faithful to the gospel when we do that. Um, it's not just because we're not creative. We serve a creative God. But we have one, we have one purpose and one mission. Um, what, what can those who serve in family ministries, what, what can they expect from you? Uh, you can expect me to be open to your feedback and to your uh, criticisms that you may have. You're not going to hurt my feelings. At Boys Town, one of the main skills that we taught the boys is how to accept feedback. And at the end of the day, ex uh, feedback is just to help me to do better the next time or not make the same mistake twice. But on the flip side of that coin, you can expect me to be giving feedback and direction and communicating with you. And if something is going really well, I'm going to be praising you and I'm going to be congratulating you and making you feel like you are doing a good job. But at the same time, if stuff isn't going the right way or we're not doing quite exactly what the plan is, like I'm not going to be afraid to give you feedback. And once again, it's just to help you and not make the same mistake twice and to do better the next time. 
Yeah, that feedback loop's really, um, really important. What, what can other teams expect from you? Like, what can the missions team expect from you in your role? What can the greeting team expect from you in your role? We all together are Westway. We're not broken into, I mean, there are different groups, but that's not what the church is. We're going to, I want to work together with everybody. I want to, we all have a common goal and it's written out on the wall in the foyer. And I want the family ministry group to work with the greeting group to accomplish that goal with the uh, creative arts to accomplish that goal. And, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know what that looks like, but the family ministry group isn't just going to sit off in the back and do our own thing while Cody and the creative arts up here do their own thing. We're going to, when the time comes, we're going to work together to accomplish the goal that Westway has as a whole. What can our church, what can our church body expect from you in, in this role? Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be a pastor to everybody. I know I have a kind of a role that I'm working with, but overall, I want to be here for you guys. If the time comes and you need somebody, we're going to, you can expect me to rely on you guys when we need help, when we need service opportunities. I'm going I mean, you guys are here and I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here questioning I need a fire pit for a uh, trunk and treat. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to seek out people who have fire pits, and I'm going to ask you guys to help with the family ministry by providing fire pits or something along those lines. So you can expect me to come asking for help or asking for your uh, time when we need it. Not if we need it, when we need it. All right. I, and I think that expecting you... Or- us expecting Zane to be one of the pastors, I think that's a really key thing. Um, we, every single time, if you've been here for more than a week, you know that whenever one of our pastors speaks, we always say the exact same thing. That does not mean that there is not like individual roles that each one of us have, but we don't view one another as lesser than or greater than as pastors. Zane obviously has a lot less ministry experience um, than some of our other pastors do. But on the other hand, Zane has far more real, um, I don't know that I want to say real world, he has a different, he has a different set of experiences than any of our other pastors do. So he's a resource. He's a resource to me. He's a resource to Joe. He's a resource to Cody. So we treat all of our pastors like they're pastors. So I would encourage you, um, there, is, there is nothing more, like, more spiritual when I pray before a church meal than if Zane or Cody or Joe or, frankly, any of you prays. Zane's one of our pastors, and you can expect him to be a pastor, and you can expect him to learn and grow um, into that role. What, what can children and students expect from you as a pastor of family ministries? I like to have fun. And so 
you can expect, the children and youth can expect to have fun, but at the same time, I also know the importance of my job, and so you can expect to learn and grow in your faith while having fun. We're going to do different events, camp and retreats, and but the like Wednesday night messages are going to be deep, and they're going to challenge, and they're going to make you think and talk about your faith. And so it's not, it's not going to be one or the other. It's going to be a solid mixture of both. I think that's a really important thing, parents. As you hear, you're going to hear your kids. You know, we've just made a pretty big transition from a person who was in this family ministry role um, for, for over a decade. And Mike, Mike, like Mike was Mike. And Zane is Zane, and I'm me, and Cody's Cody. Like each one of us, we have our own perspectives and our own experience set and our own way that we teach. And one of the things that I know when I was in student ministry, I found so, so weird is some, I would have a parent come to me and they would say, my child doesn't want to come to youth group because it's not fun enough. And then like that same week, I would have a parent that would come to me and say, my child doesn't want to come to youth group because it's not serious enough. Okay, so there's a disconnect going on, going on here. And what we, what we have to recognize and we, we have to realize as, as parents is the people that we are asking to support us at home is going to be themselves. And I would encourage you as, as we go through this transition, um, and it's probably going to be three or six months as we go through this transition and you hear different things from your, from your students or different things from your children, I would just encourage you, um, first off, to keep, keep, keep sending your children and your students to, what, to what's taking place. And I would encourage you to give feedback to Zane because um, he wants to hear he wants to hear your feedback again, coming into a role that's dramatically different than what he's done before. He's learning and he's growing. And we can help him with that by encouraging our kids, um, by talking to Zane, and then lastly, or not lastly, because um, it's actually the first on the priority list, we can pray. We can pray for, pray for both of these teams as they navigate we're gonna, what are going to be some pretty significant um, changes and challenges. <clears throat> what, can, um, what can those who serve in family ministries expect from you. So if, I'm a, if I serve in children's ministry or I serve in student ministry, if I'm on the grandparenting team, um, like what, kind of what can I expect from you as, as the pastor over those areas? You can expect someone that's going to advocate for you, that's going to go to bat for you, that's going to support you and to give you credit if you have a, you know, if you have an idea or something's going on and it needs to be passed up the chain to like the elders or someone, like that's what I'll do for you. And then I will be praying for you because I know that the job you're doing, it wouldn't be possible to have a family ministry program if it wasn't for the volunteers and for you willingly missing the 1015 so you can teach Sunday school like that's a hard decision to do when there's not more than one service but you're willing to do that and so I'm willing 
to help serve you in whichever way is possible. So a couple weeks ago, I asked you if you had, if you had a guiding text. Like if, you were, if someone were to ask me, John, what, what's a text or a set of texts that are, that are really important to your life? You probably know it's Deuteronomy 6 and Ephesians 4. Like those, those two texts for me, like those are, those are go-tos. What, what would you say your guiding text for family ministries is and, and why? For me, it's, it's, it's the Great Commission, going to the world and make disciples of all nations. Growing up, or even once I was grown up, but prior to having a kid, I would see that text and I was, you know, I would think, let's go down to Haiti, let's go to the inner city of Chicago and do service projects, proclaim Jesus. None of that is wrong. That's stuff we should still be doing. But it starts in the home. It starts with your kids. If you, if you can't disciple your own children, how are you going to be able to go out into the world and make disciples of other nations? Jesus doesn't give a time frame when that should start. It doesn't say, once your kids are in high school, start discipling them, so when they leave, or once they graduate college. It starts really when, in my mind, you know, prior to pregnancy, when you're pregnant, and with, with your babies, I'm already, I feel like Stacy and I are already discipling Veronica, and she's not 17 months old yet. We pray with her every single night, we pray with her every single meal, we read the Bible, cardboard Bible stories to her. And so to me, that's the guiding text, because if our goal is to create disciples of all the nations, well, the nations start in your home with your own children. And if you can't do that, I don't think you're going to be very successful going out into the world and doing it. So last question. Um, what do you and your family need and expect from us as a church? What, how can we support you, um, not just you in your role, but you as a, as a husband, as a father, as Stacy, as a, as a wife of a pastor, as a, someone who works at the hospital? Um, like how, how can we support your family um, going forward? I think the first thing is just really understanding in prayer. We decided to uproot our family, move across the state to a place where we have no friends, no family, so we can follow God's calling, which is pretty hard because, I mean, our lives were pretty set in Omaha at Boys Town. I mean, there's obviously reasons we're here, but overall we could have overlooked those reasons and easily stayed at Boys Town. But we we decided to come to a place where we didn't know anybody. And it's it can be hard at times. And so just understanding in prayer. Something else um, is just patience. We have, I think, a lot of good plans for the future. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take, it's going to take people. And so I'm asking for just patience from the body. And with that, it's going to take people. And so if you're not serving anywhere or you have more room to serve, we could really use your help in the family ministry program. We could use your 
time, we could use your service, we can use your talents. And so that is something I am asking that you pray about. And just so you know, there's already a few people on my radar that I'm going to be talking to. So, you know, beat me to the punch and say you want to serve. That's also something you've heard us talk about quite a bit over the last several months is the value of getting involved and engaged in serving, um, serving your church body. And just like passing on the faith to the next generation is not just reserved for a certain group of people, serving within the church is everyone's responsibility. It's all of our roles that we have. And maybe it's not serving in, in, in a children's ministry area, but it certainly is, it certainly is serving and being involved and being engaged. Um, one of the things that one of the things that's been talked about even over the past couple weeks is um, we have people that we have people that come early on Sunday morning like to make coffee as a for instance and they bring their children with them and right now we don't have anyone to watch those kids so that's starting to become a need for us so so maybe maybe you're someone who doesn't want to um, prep coffee um, but you could be that person to help us um, help provide some some childcare during that during that time. Um, this is this is a really crucial spot for us right now in terms of service in our church body. And uh, you aren't rolling your eyes at me, so that means I haven't said it enough yet. Um, but this is this is a really important um, this is a really important. Uh, ceiling that we're that we're starting to hit within our body is is the need for people to serve and to be engaged and what I wh one of the things I'm loving hearing from Zane is like he's he's going to be yet another person who's going to be on our staff who's just going to like we're just going to communicate what we need we're going to be upfront we want to be clear about it and we want to set expectations with people um, so we can help and support him in his role by, um, by serving when, when he asks us to serve. And I know there's lots of questions that go into that, but this is a real need that we have. Um, so we're going to ask you, uh, we're going to ask you to just participate in what God is calling you to do. Um, right now I'm going to ask, um, was there anything else I was supposed to ask? Nope. Nope. Okay. Anything you want to ask me? Since I have you, we were all wondering. No, I'm joking. Okay. We're going to ask uh, Stacy to come up front. I'm going to ask our elders to come up. And if you would, um, if you would stand with us, we're just going to, our elders are just going to pray, um, pray over Zane and pray over Stacy, um, over their family as they make, um, as they make this transition. So... Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we uh, are so grateful the way you watch over us, you bring people into this congregation to help us to grow our ministry together as we reach out and try to uh, be a witness not only to our community, but even around the world in ways that we have a hard time even fully fathoming. 
we want to lift up Stacy and Veronica and, and uh, Zane and ask you to be with them now as they are entering into this ministry. Give them guidance. Give them a sense of real joy, knowing that they're involved in what you're wanting them to do. And give them a sense of peace and assurance. And help us all together as a congregation to support them and to be a part of what they're trying to accomplish here so that we can see growth in every one of our homes as we work together to share your gospel message to those we know. Father, <clears throat> we thank you for the Carr family and uh, joining us here at Westway. I do pray for uh, continued restoration of their health. Um, thank you for their faith and trust in stepping forward to an unknown place and environment. Uh, bless that decision, but may they also depend more on you um, in the process of pastoring and leading family ministries here. Thank you for uh, the blessing of their lives. Uh, pray that we, as the body and the leadership here, uh, lift them up, encourage them, exhort them when necessary. Uh, but Father, uh, just thank you that they're part of the giftedness within the body here at Westway. And Lord, again, I just thank you. I thank you for Zane and Stacy, and I just ask that you would watch over, protect them. I also ask, Lord, that you would just continue to keep them encouraged in their, their serving here at Westway, and, and we just praise you. We just thank you again for the opportunities that are going to come up, and we thank you, Lord, for the direction that you're bringing us. So I want to pray these things in your son's name. God, again, just joining my brothers here, just praying for Zane and Stacy and Veronica as they continue to just transition here and think about what ministry looks like and have the burden on their hearts of making disciples of your son, Jesus. Uh, I pray that there are lots of good days ahead of them in the midst of that. I pray that when they come up against challenges and uh, obstacles, that they would um, that they would look to you, that they would look to our elders and pastors, that they would turn to our body, and that we would come alongside them, and we would recognize that um, that Zane and Stacy and Veronica are also the next generation to many of us in this room. So part of part of our role is not just being equipped by them, being discipled by them. But part of our role is to equip them and disciple them. So help us to take that role and that responsibility seriously and do so in a way that brings you honor and glory. And it's in your sons and we pray.